Hi, my name is Erica, and welcome back to Rethinking Reality. This is our second episode. First, with uh, me actually knowing the name of the show at the beginning. Pretty exciting. Just popped in my head this morning, and I was, like, shocked. Like, I think that might actually be a good title. But whether it is or isn't, you know, we already made the graphics, so we gotta stick with it. In the first episode, I told you guys how I became a reticent or... or reluctant conspiracy theorist. (laughs) I have uh, never been a conspiracy theorist. And still, I mean, I guess I couldn't just like consider myself one across the board because there's a lot of them I absolutely detest. But I now believe in some things that uh, would be generally considered pretty crazy uh, because I've just seen overwhelming proof of them. And uh, the very first thing that made me realize that the rules of this reality were not what I thought they were, is when I realized that we all have parasites. And that's not a crazy thing to say. The more I learned about the science, the more I realized that is an absolute surety. And that means a lot of people have to know that already. And we are not admitting it. And there is an active campaign to maintain the delusion and absolute lie that parasites are not really a problem in the United States. Hi, this is future Erica while editing, and I just wanted to let you guys know that I was sick when recording this, so I apologize for the vocal quality, but the content is very good, and so I still wanted you to be able to hear this episode. It may seem like a random topic, but that's part of what makes it interesting. Hope you enjoy. So in this episode, I intend to make the case that, first of all, we all have parasites. You have parasites. (laughs) And that to acknowledge that fact and to believe in it is actually the more rational and logical perspective than to deny that we do. And that there are a lot of parasites endemic to the United States that we say we don't have here. Secondly, I will make the case that those parasites are capable of affecting us a lot more than we acknowledge or maybe even recognize. And I will tell you why I think they are already doing so. If you heard my cat, uh, she just came up and sit in my lap. Her name is Zoe. I think that the first two points, regardless of your current position on parasites, By the end of this podcast, I think you will either believe me or be able to acknowledge that uh, this belief in parasites and in in the ubiquity of parasites is logical and rational and not crazy. I don't expect you to immediately agree with me about how they are already affecting us and if they are already affecting you, because I have learned that is a lot harder for people to swallow, and that takes more time. So that's okay. So I didn't start out uh, a parasite person. I didn't have any particular interest in them uh, or knowledge about them, and it is a frequent perception that, like, people who think they have parasites are just obsessed with parasites and convince themselves that they have them. And I just 
certainly know for myself that can't be the case because I definitely had no desire to believe this. <laughs> um, I had a lot of desire to not believe it. And I mean, the only things I can even think of uh, hearing about parasites or ever talking about them is like the jokes that people make about tapeworms. I knew I had given my dogs dewormer. Never really thought much about that. I know my aunt got Giardia once and it was supposed to be really bad. And funny enough, I had a friend come back from Mexico and she had a lot of stomach issues after she came back. And this was just shortly before I got sick. And I remember her telling me that she thought she had a parasite. And it sounded pretty nutty to me. Um, you know, I didn't tell her that or say, I don't believe you. But I do remember thinking, like, it sounded very weird to me. I, I thought it was, like, a really strange thing to jump to. You know, like, I would have thought, you know, E. coli or salmonella or something. I will probably tell the full story um, in future episodes, but in short, for the first month I was sick, I had absolutely no idea what was going on with me. So I didn't start thinking parasites until at least about a month in. What happened, the very short simplified explanation, is that I got extremely sick out of nowhere. It was a very, very weird kind of sickness where like a bunch of things happened to me that had never happened to me in my entire life. And that like, I didn't, I, so I know a fair amount like about medicine because my dad is a doctor and it's just something, you know, he taught us a lot to like be able to take care of ourselves. And it's an interest of mine. I always ask him a lot of questions. I like tend to be the friend like people come to when something is wrong with, you know, their health and they need to know, like, should I go to the doctor for this? What can I do to treat it myself? You know, like I know a fair amount, but the things that were happening to me were things like I had never heard of anyone experiencing these things. They were super weird because I had a lot of strange symptoms. After a while, that ended up giving me a fair amount of things to research that were able to like paint a pretty specific picture because these were like a large set of unusual symptoms that went together. Because I was sick for months and a month before I ever like understood anything about what was happening, I had been able to like look at like look back on, okay, first this happened, then I felt this, then then this, you know, look at the patterns and be able to figure out the sequence of events and understand like which systems in my body were being affected. And that allowed me to start figuring out like what was happening internally. And then I was able to do research to figure out like why that might happen and how these things are connected and what I could do about it. I, of course, like looked at the most probable explanations first. And I would look into that, you know, like the most normal and common explanations. And so like, I remember probably the first thing I thought was like, uh, have I become diabetic? And so like, I got a blood sugar meter and like testing my blood sugar. And it was very obvious, like, nope, I am not diabetic. Just these things are happening to me that happen to diabetics. But that can't be the reason why it's happening to me because like this is very clear i'm not so i went in a pattern like that where i was like kind of crossed off more and more of the explanations that were sort of common and felt reasonable 
something strange that started happening as I was like understanding more, seeing more, um, you know, had more specific things to start researching is like, I kept coming up on these kind of research dead ends where there were two things I remember finding a lot was like, I would get a really weird symptom. I'd be like, what is that? (laughs) Look it up. And it would Take me back to an infection usually connected to like eating seafood or a parasite that only really exists in Africa. And so I would be like, okay, well, this is just a a dead end. Clearly that's not it, you know. But it was weird when like this would happen over and over again. I'd be like, wait, so this other thing is also usually connected to like food poisoning from eating seafood or, you know, whatever. Because, like, I don't eat seafood. Um, so I knew that that wasn't it. And uh, I have not been to Sub-Saharan Africa ever. I went to North Africa, like, five years ago. But at first I was writing these things off. And then after a while, it just became more and more like, well, the symptoms and, like, what is happening to me is leading back towards, like, these kind of answers. And... That doesn't seem to make sense, but maybe I need to stop, like, trying to figure that part out because, like, also a lot of, so especially parasitic infections, they can be really complicated and unusual. Like, they can lie dormant, a lot of them, for 10 years, and then you finally, like, get some symptoms or they can be asymptomatic in most people and then horribly symptomatic in other people. Or like, it's just, there's a lot that uh, can complicate a picture. And so I was just like, okay, I think I have to accept that like something is happening to me that is unusual and it is unusual like for where I am. And I need to like look down these roads look at these possible explanations because this to do otherwise is denial and I also started getting some like just symptoms that were very visible photographable and very unique and disturbing and I don't really want to go into all of them right now because also, like, they are disgusting. But I guess I will just say, (laughs) there are certain things you can just see happening to your body that you know your body is not supposed to do that. (laughs) Your body has never done that before, and it is so strange and very disturbing and, like, You have to find an explanation for it. And my biggest goal was to figure out, like, how to help myself, what to do. Because that was, like, really frustrating to me is, like, I really like to understand something so that I know what to do, and then I will do it. And then I don't have to, like, worry a lot. I don't have to, like, I don't tend to be a big worrier. I don't really struggle with anxiety. I just like I cope with that by I like 
learn everything I can about the situation. I figure out exactly what I think is the like optimal course to take and then I just do it. And I don't have to worry about it because I'm doing the thing to do. But this was very hard because I didn't know what the right thing was to do. Like I didn't know how I should be helping myself. And I was working on, you know, trying to get doctor's appointments and I didn't want to be doing this all by myself, but I really didn't have a lot of options there because I didn't have a doctor when this started. I hadn't been to a doctor for a decade. Like I didn't have anything in place. And as like my illness progressed, I was getting such disturbing, just very bad symptoms that I knew like if these go on for too long, this creates permanent damage. What is happening to me right now, if I don't figure out what it is and fix it, this could end up like ruining the rest of my life. This is no longer just like, uh-oh, I'm sick, but I'll, I'm sure I'll be better soon. Like, no, this is something that like I could lose some very important functions that are very important to me. Like I started having neurological problems. One day I woke up and suddenly my vision, which has always been perfect, it's always been better than 2020, I was uh, farsighted. I couldn't read my fucking phone. Like, it just happened one day. I was like, that is bad. I want to do everything I can, as fast as I can, to figure out how to fix this and, like, what I should be doing. Because it also just drove me crazy, the idea that, like, what if I'm doing the wrong thing right now or there's something I should be doing that I'm not doing just because I don't know what to do and like right now, this is the time when I could like regain this function. Like I could heal from this. If I do the wrong thing, then I won't. And by the time I figure out what to do, it'll be too late. And I will just be so pissed that like I didn't do what I should have been doing when it was still fixable. I was just throwing myself into, I must solve this problem. So like because of that, it really stopped mattering to me if like something seemed improbable or well that parasite isn't supposed to be here like that just that wasn't very important the only important thing was like what is actually happening to me and what should I do and so it was clear that like whether or not this was supposed to be happening whether or not this is something that other people thought happens here or not I have to accept it is happening to me at this moment it is really irrelevant why it is happening and uh why other people don't think that this happens like it just i can't bother with that right now i have to like i have to survive first another factor that made me start being comfortable with like looking at explanations that i would have previously dismissed as just impossible is that the more i learned about uh i mean just medicine in general but also like infectious disease and then parasites most specifically is that the common knowledge about them is not accurate like i read a lot of medical journals i spent months reading medical journals and over and over again the actual research contradicted like what we tend to believe is true about these things in ways that just were shocking to me it's like at first you know I thought I thought like well these doctors they don't know they are just used to seeing these things and so they don't realize that like like for example climate change 
is absolutely causing a migration of insects and like including parasites and we are going to more and more see like tropical diseases in non-tropical places and just because of globalization global travel like that's been happening for a while it's just these things are spreading into places where they were not traditionally considered endemic i lived in los angeles it's like all of these parasites that were supposedly only in mexico only in central america just felt very improbable to me that like oh they can't possibly exist in los angeles two hours from mexico <laughs> full of immigrants like there is just it just doesn't make sense and so when i realized that like the positions that other people held and believed were rational really were not rational they weren't logical when you really pick them apart they didn't make any fucking sense and the things that i was learning about like parasitic infections most specifically but as i said medicine in general is our cultural perspective on them it does not make sense the things that people were saying to me they did not make sense so i couldn't stick to like what i had been taught was rational or what i had thought was rational because clearly the position that is believed to be rational is not it is a cultural assumption that just like it doesn't rest on anything and uh, and no one else had a satisfying explanation no one else had an explanation at all when people would try to give me an explanation to what was happening to me what they thought was happening to me it always by necessity involved saying that something didn't happen that I knew happened. They had to like (laughs) remove some of the data to make the picture make sense. And that's not okay for me. Like, well, that did happen. That is real. I took pictures of it. I showed it to other people. I tracked my blood pressure, my pulse. Like these things, I have data for them. So you cannot tell me like this part didn't happen just because that's what makes your story work and just more and more I saw that what is considered rational is frequently just denial and I couldn't put stock into like what my society what my culture thinks is real because they don't fucking know the fact is what we say like a like in the US what we tend to believe is the truth like about parasites and infectious disease is just not supported by like the actual research that's that's like when you go talk to your doctor what they know about parasites like doesn't actually square with what like parasitologists know about parasites like it's weird uh you may have experiences if you've ever tried to talk to a doctor about nutrition doctors don't know anything about nutrition they will try to tell you about nutrition like they had to take like two credit hours in medical school 
about nutrition. They don't know anything. So, like, don't listen to them about nutrition. You know when, like, a dictatorship will pretend to have an election and the dictator will get, like, 95% of the votes? Well, that's... That's how a lot of, like, our medical consensus works, at least in the United States. Rare disease is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if you think something is rare, then doctors think it's rare. So they think people don't have it. (laughs) They don't look for it. And a lot of times it's, like, almost impossible to get tested for certain things or to get diagnosed for certain things. If it's incredibly difficult to get diagnosed for something and nobody is looking for it, and even when you are quite sure you have it and you have, like, all of the symptoms and, you know, and you still can't get a diagnosis, then, like, we don't actually know how rare that is. We have no idea how many people have that thing. And this is one thing that I just kept coming across, is our assumptions were frequently based in not the facts, but, like, the circumstances of our society that we created. In some countries where it's like illegal to be gay and punishable by you know jail time or the death penalty, you'll sometimes meet people who believe that they don't have gay people in their country. They'll say like, oh, well, gay, you know, the homosexuality, that's a Western thing. That's like in the U.S. We don't have gay people in my country because it's not safe to be open as gay. And so very few people... <laughs> or no people are going to do that. And so, yeah, they don't know anyone who has ever said that they're gay. But they're not able to. There's no way for them to do that. But then people just look around and go, hmm, no one has said they're gay, so obviously no one here is gay. That is exactly how the medical consensus works in the U.S., assumptions and built-in biases create policies and then the policies are self-fulfilling. Another thing I noticed is that, so like I, I spent months just reading medical journals all fucking day long. It was like I was very focused on figuring out what was happening to me. And for a long time also I have really wondered what the deal is with like the chronic illnesses that affect neurodivergent people like why do so many neurodivergent people have these same chronic illnesses and they are so underdiagnosed we say that they're rare but like I know so many people who have them and so many more people who I would say clearly have like every sign of it but like we <laughs> We think you have to be diagnosed with something to have it. So, like, people just assume, oh, I've never been diagnosed with that. No doctors brought it up, so I don't have that. And it's just we have an incredibly inaccurate picture of, like, what the human body actually is, how it actually functions, because we think that it's, like, (laughs) what the standard that was invented by, like, white men in the 18 and 1900s, like, that's... That's the human body. That's health. Uh, No. I researched 
everything that like happens to neurodivergent people to try and figure out what was happening to me. What are all the possibilities that could be going on here? One like really horrifying thing that I found is so often there are really like two names for every disease. There's supposedly like two different diseases, but you look into it and they function exactly the same way. They do the same thing. But one is considered like a mysterious chronic illness with no cause or cure. And frequently it affects women mostly. (laughs) And then the other is like an infectious disease that has a cure. It has a cause, it has a cure. It's exactly the same thing as the chronic illness. So it really makes you wonder like, hey, um, all those people with that chronic illness that people just tell them is in their head or they need to get used to it or, you know, just there's no way to cure that. We have no idea what causes that. Have they been tested for this bacteria or parasite, you know, that this group of people over here have? Like, honestly, I, at this point, I very much believe that like if you gave every mysteriously chronically ill person in America, just everyone who's like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, these things that, or just, we don't know what's wrong with them, but they're sick. (laughs) If you gave everyone like a 30 day round of doxycycline, I think you would see a lot of people suddenly be fine. I don't know how many, but like, (laughs) I don't know. I'd wager to say like half. So I started to see like, it It seems pretty clear that there are a lot of things that are actually caused by infectious disease that we're calling chronic illnesses or autoimmune disorders. Like why would that happen? Well, unfortunately, there is motive to do that. If someone has an infectious disease and you can give them an antiparasitic or an antibiotic and they will be fine in a week or a month, that's not a long-term patient. That's not a profitable patient. If you tell them, oh, actually, your condition is degenerative, uh, we don't know why it happens, and we don't know, you know, there's no cure, but there are these treatments, there's these immune modulators, we can treat the symptoms. Like, you'll have to be on things the rest of your life. (laughs) Well, now you're a fucking cash cow. Anytime I get interested in something, I want, like, a full comprehensive big picture view of it. It's like I assemble, (laughs) it feels like a 3D model in my brain. I need every part until I can, it's almost like this tangible thing. I can walk all the way around it and I can see it. And then I'm like, okay, now I can analyze it and come up with opinions. But before that, no, I can't accept just like statements that there is nothing to back that up. You know, it's just like, well, everyone knows this. Everyone thinks this, like that doesn't mean anything to me over and over again, more and more in my research, I kept finding that like the data would say one thing, but then the analysis of that data, the conclusions drawn from it were (laughs) to me nonsensical. They were clearly based in just one interpretation, one very biased perspective. And then we just run with that interpretation. We think that that is a truth, but the data doesn't say that. So like, for example, I kept getting frustrated by something would happen to me and I would look it up and 
this happened several times. I would find something that was happening to me was considered like a complication of obesity. And it would say that like one of the causes was obesity. And so the treatments were all like, you know, lose weight and watch your calories and stuff. And I, especially at that time, was very thin. That was actually one of the things I was worried about is I was unable to keep any weight on my body. I was like unable to process and use the food I was eating. I was eating constantly and just like losing more and more weight and getting weaker and weaker and it was scary. And so then (laughs) to be told like, oh, this thing you're experiencing is a complication of obesity. It was like, well, clearly you're fucking wrong. And maybe obese people are also experiencing this, but obviously you have the order of events wrong. Like it's not their obesity that caused it. Maybe this the cause that you clearly haven't found or truly bothered to look for created this symptom and affected their weight. (laughs) But like over and over again, I saw that medicine wasn't actually about like finding the true causes. (laughs) It was about finding the easiest way to like blame the patient for their problem. You just find whatever that patient does or is that is not societally like acceptable, that's frowned upon in society, and then you blame everything on that. And then uh, you, your job is done. They just, it's their fault for whatever is wrong with them. You get to send them home and then <laughs> they never get better. You feel superior to them and like a fucking genius and you never actually have to see like how they continue to suffer at home because you didn't actually help them. And uh, then, I don't know, profit continued. Like, that's it. So I realized what I've been taught is true just is not supported by the facts. I got to kind of toss that out and just look at the data and see what the data says. So I'm learning more and more about parasites and parasitic infections because my symptoms are like demonstrating that that is what I'm experiencing. And I keep finding like Parasites that are not supposed to exist in the U.S., like supposedly that's not endemic here. We don't have that. And then I would find like a medical journal article from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, talking about how, hey, this is an emerging parasite in this state. And we have to start acknowledging that like this is endemic here, you know? So actually that's been endemic in this area for 20 years, but... We just assume it doesn't exist here, so we don't test for it. And so everyone who has it just just left to like suffer and is told they're crazy. <laughs> Learning about parasites in general, I I really had no idea just how many parasites like every animal tends to have. It's very, very normal for basically any wild animal to have like a group of parasites that evolved to target it. Parasites are a way bigger part of the story of life on this planet than like I realized. A lot of the time I would find a parasite that supposedly didn't exist in people, but then I would find research that showed it did exist in people. You know, it was like 
oh, wow, this person has the dog tapeworm. That's crazy. You know, usually that doesn't happen, but here's a case study. It's like, so it does happen in people. Like, it just frequently, there was really no reasoning behind the belief that humans are not vulnerable to some parasite. And often we have an assumption that like something doesn't happen, but you look into it and it turns out just like no research has been done on these questions. So we think it doesn't happen because we've never looked. And that's very true about humans and parasites. And especially in like the Western world. A big part of it is stigma. It's a very ridiculous stigma and like the stigma is harmful to us. We associate parasites with like poor countries, bad hygiene, being dirty. It's like a gross thing. People don't want to say that they have it. So we don't want to say that we have it like in the U.S. <laughs> like this is ridiculous because I mean first of all we don't have like a super great infrastructure or health system. Like we don't have a good healthcare system and our infrastructure is crumbling. A lot of cities are filthy. So if we think that parasites exist in countries without good infrastructure and hygiene and healthcare systems, well, that's us. And we just don't want to admit that. There was a study in Alabama where they, uh, like they went to one, like, town, small town, and they just tested everybody for hookworm. And supposedly hookworm has been eradicated in the U.S. It's not supposed to exist here. 30% of the people they tested had hookworm. The thing that supposedly doesn't exist. A full third of that town has it. <laughs> we cannot trust what we're told, like, exists here and doesn't. That's just, it's not based in reality. If you don't look, then you just tell yourself it doesn't happen. When those people come into the hospital, they're just told it's something else. Oh, it's anxiety. Oh, you have acne, like whatever. <laughs> Chagas disease is caused by a parasite and it is like endemic to a lot of Central America and Mexico, but supposedly not here. Chagas disease can cause like some really bad long-term symptoms. Like heart disease is a, a major one. I read this paper where they went to a hospital in Texas and they looked at their heart patients of like Latino descent and they tested all of them for Chagas disease just to see, you know, their hypothesis was, well, a lot of these people, they are immigrants. They did come from these countries where Chagas disease is endemic. So are we like missing part of the picture if we aren't testing them for Chagas? Maybe it's playing a bigger role here than we think. And once again, it was a very large percentage. I think it was like 40% of these heart disease patients in this one Texas hospital of Latino descent had Chagas disease. We say that we don't have that here, but if that many of the heart patients have it, then that is a lot of people who are made into lifelong patients who are told they must suffer they are responsible for what is happening to them because of their bad lifestyle choices. And they need to come back every month and spend more money and then eventually die when there is just like an anti-parasitic they could have taken and then been done with it. But that doesn't make us money, does it? 
it becomes quite clear that the healthcare system does not want to cure people because it's set up as a business. It's supposed to make money, not help people. And anytime you have healthcare that wants to make money and not help people, well, yeah, it's going to make money instead of helping people. We tell people who have infectious disease that could be cured that they have a chronic illness based in their own lifestyle choices. I was having this problem for a while where my legs, well, my whole body would swell up, but very common, my legs would swell up. And within 20 minutes, they were twice the size they normally are. Like I would have to go change pants, change underwear even. Like I was in a different body than I'd been in 20 minutes earlier. The first time this happened, it was terrifying. And so I went to the ER. I was also, I mean, there's a lot of other things going on. I was also having a hard time breathing. There were a lot of reasons to go. But it was like, it was something very scary that never happened to me before. Then I don't even want to tell the whole thing because it was honestly a very, very disturbing experience. They made me wait in the waiting room for a long time. I had a seizure in the waiting room. They ignored me. It was horrible. (laughs) But when they finally brought me back four hours later, they looked at my legs and said that they didn't see any swelling. They didn't see any water or air trapped under my skin. I was like, well, what is it then? And she was like, well, you know, there's muscle in your leg and then there's fat. She thought my legs were just fat. My legs that had been half the size that morning. And that's when I realized, oh, you don't even know what fat is. Doctors don't even know what fat is. You're telling me that the logical, rational, scientific explanation is that somehow I gained 20 or 30 pounds in 20 minutes? I mean, what is that? Uh, 30,000 calories? Did I eat 30,000 calories this morning and it immediately metabolized into fat? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. That's not rational. That's not scientific. I look back on times when I'd, like, struggled with my weight and I realized, oh, that's why, like, everything they told me never worked. And when they'd say, this, oh, it's a... It's calories in, calories out. It's math. Well, that never worked for me because it wasn't math. Because I would follow their fucking formulas way, way more like closely than most people are probably even capable of. And it wouldn't do what they said it was going to do. And so I would say like, hey, this isn't working. And they would assume it must mean I'm eating more than I'm telling them. I'm eating more than I think. Well, what kind of salad dressing are you using? You know, vinaigrette can have a lot of calories because of the oil. I mean, it was just insane. I looked back on it and I realized, wait, I gained weight very rapidly for no reason when I was very sick a few different times. And now it's happening to me over and over again, back and forth on like a daily basis. And so I can see this is not fat. It can't be. That's not possible. Also, it's not water. It's non-pitting edema. It's lymph. It's lymphedema. It's immune-related. And lymphedema is a thing. So, like, lymphedema is non-pitting edema. And then this ER doctor tried to tell me, like, I didn't have edema because it wasn't pitting. I was like, there's a whole subcategory of edema called non-pitting edema. Why are you pretending that doesn't exist? Or do you just think I don't know that that exists? Like, in order to accept what other people were telling me was rational and scientific, it would involve willfully ignoring half of the data. That is terrible science. It's not rational. I can't do that. It's like I, I had to finally accept that none of the things 
that are the consensus of like, what is true are trustworthy. Like I can't, I cannot believe even my loved ones who are very like well-intentioned and they think they know what is real, but they don't because people keep telling me that what is real by necessity involves telling me that something I am experiencing that I know to be real is not. It like didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Or it involves me like I must be. I just, in order for them to be correct, I would have to be so fucking stupid. And I'm just not that stupid. I'm sorry. I'm just not. You know, they would assume, well, like very, a, a bunch of times they told me it was anxiety. That no, it's not. Because you might be able to convince other people that all of their problems are based in their anxiety. But like I never had anxiety until one day I just started having the physical, like these physical things. But I'm not actually like, I don't have the mental things of it. I don't even know if my body is worried. I don't know what it's worried about. I don't have anxiety. So no, this isn't that. Like I have a little anxiety about the fact that something very bad is happening to me and nobody will help me. But that's actually just fucking logical. That's a logical response to the situation I'm in. So no, my feelings are the fucking problem. Can't tell me that, oh, my problem is because I'm fat because no, I'm not fat. In fact, I'm too skinny and it's scaring me. So like, that's not it either. I, uh, when I would bring up that like, oh, I'm worried because I'm like losing my muscle mass. I'm, I can't keep any weight on. I, I'm just getting weaker and weaker. And they thought like I wasn't eating enough. I must not be eating enough. I'm like, I'm eating like a fucking Olympic power lifter. All of your explanations involve me actually doing something that is wrong and you know, I'm lying about it. Like, and that's easy for you to think because like, yeah, you can think whatever you want about me. You don't know me. You don't see me at home and you get to just go home and believe you're right. You don't need any evidence to believe what you believe. But like, I know those things aren't true. So I know you are wrong. So I know our cultural assumptions of what is true about like health and disease and all of these, they aren't real. So here's the truth about parasites. They are unbelievably common. <laughs> Every animal has parasites. Every animal gets them. Many animals have lots of parasites all at the same time. Lots of parasites are microscopic. You can't see them. You probably don't even know they're there. You can have parasites for decades and have no idea. A lot of the time, if you know you have a parasite, then it's not doing a good job. The ideal situation for a parasite is that it gets to have a free ride land your body and take your energy, you know, eat some of your food, grow in your safe environment, find another parasite of its same species, mate with it somewhere like in your organs, tootle around in your bloodstream, lymph, whatever it likes to do, like have a bunch of babies and then die. Like that's, that's what most of them are doing. You don't even know they're there, but they're like living their entire lives. A lot of them. What's really gross is like, yeah, some of them are microscopic, but some of them are creepily big. And that is also like really disturbing. Like you could have a creepily big parasite and still not know it. Like, I don't know why I'd never thought of this. Like it's kind of weird, but maybe you've never thought of it either. 
you know how like we give our dogs dewormer like pretty frequently you give them flea and tick like treatments do you give yourself dewormer why does your dog need it but you don't do you think that you are not vulnerable to getting worms only your dog is do you think your dog can't give you worms we can absolutely get a lot of the same parasites as dogs they can give us their parasites and vice versa it happens a lot we don't even have any idea how often it happens because a lot of the time it's not diagnosed the management of parasites is a big deal in like every industry and arena that involves animals like you can find so much information about managing treating parasites in livestock in freaking wild animals and refuges like in wild animals that uh you know are endangered um the fish that swim in the lake near your house like someone has probably studied their parasites and they probably have a lot <laughs> so like why would parasites be a big part of every other like animal's experience but not ours we are not that special we are animals i think we just find the idea gross and our ego convinces us that uh like nothing can control us that can't happen to us like i promise i am equally grossed out by the idea of like worms living in my intestines and under my skin like that is just as <laughs> disturbing for me like i guess at this point i have thought about it quite a lot so it's like i'm a little bit over the creep factor but like i did not enjoy like thinking about this and having to like accept that that was happening in my body that's it's gross but that's really not a good reason to like refuse to think about it pretend it's not happening it's like for me if i have like worms in my body i want to get them out i don't want to just like pretend they're not there then they're still going to be there i want them to not be there <laughs> that's a better outcome in my mind so i'd gotten to a point where i was able to start like seeing doctors and kind of figured out my insurance and been able to get appointments and stuff but like that wasn't making things better they were unbelievably unhelpful and just generally didn't believe me um <laughs> which i wasn't really like prepared for the fact that when i was like my sickest in my worst moments when the worst things happened to me and so i am my most fragile and vulnerable and like need help I wasn't prepared for like <laughs> the fact that in that state doctors would just like want to argue with me and like prove me wrong if you know I felt a little unfair it was like this is not a good time to debate me like my brain doesn't really work right now it wasn't getting very good oxygen for the last like 45 minutes if you feel like you you're winning this argument then you're I mean you're kind of arguing with someone who's like temporarily brain damaged so like does that really feel that good for you is that a win you know, I brought up the idea that I think maybe this could be a parasitic infection because like I know I have an infection which they kept telling me that I didn't it's, it, it's very weird doctors seem to think that like humans are incapable of knowing what's going on with our bodies unless like someone who went to medical school tells you like I 
don't personally I don't understand how you could not know if you have an infection like it feels like one <laughs> you know if you have one do you not know when you have the flu do you not know if you have a cough like it's just a physical thing that is happening to you <laughs> yeah I just knew when I had one and but they didn't think so because it's like they were looking for some one of their like five things they see all the time and if it's not that then eh, probably is nothing you're probably just dramatic or you know they kept telling me that I had anxiety this is just anxiety first of all uh I'm actually kind of a strangely calm person just had anaphylaxis at home saved my own life stabilized myself got myself to the ER now I'm like talking to you so actually I'm very calm like <laughs> this isn't anxiety but also it has started to feel to me that like anxiety is the new bad humors or something like it's just this like seemingly all-powerful magical entity that can cause every problem like it doesn't make any sense they're just like I told a doctor at the ER that I had a seizure she said that was anxiety and I should just like take a nap next time instead of going to the ER what do you think anxiety is like the devil like what is like anxiety sucks but it can't do that that's something else so since they were not helping me and I was just continuing to like get worse and just have more things go wrong I finally was like eh, okay I'm going to just have to take this into my own hands and it's like a good way to find out if I do have a parasite is to take a dewormer and see what happens so like I bought um it's, I think it's called like Reese's dewormer it's Parental pamoid or something and uh it's a that's a very like it's a very safe thing to take it's a kids can take it it's it doesn't really have like side effects or anything besides I mean you're gonna like crap a lot you know that that kind of thing <laughs> but it just basically like paralyzes worms that are in your body so they can't like hang on to your tissues so your body can like expel them so you take it and then you spend the next 24 hours just like shitting out whatever was hiding in your intestines. And um, yeah, I won't to go into too much detail, but I found out beyond a shadow of a doubt that uh, I was right, uh, doctors were wrong, and yeah, you can definitely have worms that are supposedly not in your area. I don't think we really know what's in our areas. Not really. Like, if no one believes you when you go to the doctor about it, then, like, nobody else is going to know that happened. I also ended up, at one point, uh, pulling a worm out of my ear. Not, like, the ear canal, but, like, it was under my skin in my ear. Sorry, it's, it's very gross, but it's what happened. And I pulled another one out of my nose. And that one was really disturbing because it was alive and it was like fighting me it was long it was like if you hook a fish on a line and it's like trying to pull back it was deeply disturbing and when I would tell doctors about this stuff they just like 
thought that I was crazy. Like earlier in my illness, I had considered whether or not that was the case, you know, and I'd even kind of let people convince me of that a couple of times. Early on, that was easier to accept and believe than like, no, I have to like shift my entire concept of reality and accept that like things happen that everyone says don't happen. It would have been easier to just be crazy. And also then that would mean I wasn't truly in like mortal danger. Like if I'm crazy, then I don't actually have worms and they're not going to kill me. Like that's good news. So like I wanted actually to believe that, but on the couple of occasions I did kind of like let myself be convinced of that. Then shortly after I would have something else happen, very physical, very real, very obviously like not of my mind's making. And now I was more sick even than I was before. And I had wasted the last like 24, 48 hours <laughs> pretending I was fine and like wasn't any closer to figuring out what was happening to me. And now I'm just sicker and feeling worse and like I'm just in a worse position now. And so eventually I had to just not, I just decide like I'm not allowed to believe that anymore. I'm not allowed to be convinced of that. Like I know that these things are actually happening. So even when I'm like unable to think well because my brain hasn't been getting very much oxygen and I'm exhausted and sad and tired and in the ER, even then, if they tell me that something isn't happening that I know is happening, I cannot believe them. I'm not allowed to. And making that decision did help me. So then when people would try to convince me of the extremely illogical, irrational position that uh, these experiences I was having weren't happening, when like, no, I didn't pull a worm out of my nose, even though I have pictures of it, I've showed it to other people, they can see it's a fucking worm, like, it looks just like the pictures <laughs> of like similar worms I could find on Google, like, it, that just somehow is all just a mass delusion because we don't have that here. Even though like a lot of these parasites that they're saying we don't have, uh, they have in Mexico. Mexico is very close to Los Angeles. We have a lot of people, like there's a lot of travel and migration of people. And then also climate change is happening. As the climate changes, we're going to see a movement of animals, microorganisms, bacteria, parasites, everything. They're going to migrate. They're, I mean, this is already happening. Lots of things are like spreading more northwards than they've ever been. And obviously, doctors are not looking for these things. They don't think we have them. They don't know anything about them a lot of the time. They don't even know what to look for, what they're looking at. So when that does happen, that, you know, something that was endemic to Mexico or Central America, but not LA, it gets here and it's making people sick. It's going to take years of making people sick before we've caught up 
to the fact that that's what's happening. So I'm not willing to just suffer and deteriorate for years until like doctors get their shit together. For a long time, I kept looking for like, you know, one rational explanation because like I have been to countries where some of these more exotic parasites or so we think like where they are endemic and I have some you know some experiences where I'm like oh, I could have definitely gotten something then like I got uh very sick in Vietnam and I thought it was food poisoning but like I really didn't know what it was but it, <laughs> it was really rough uh, I got really sick after I went to Egypt because I was a dumbass and I drank the water once. <laughs> but then I couldn't leave my apartment for four days. Couldn't really leave the bathroom for four days. It was really bad. And I'm reading about these things, you know, okay, what parasites are endemic to Vietnam and to Egypt? And they have things that, like, could, I could have gotten that long ago. And then they're, like asymptomatic for a pretty long time and then okay and you know they took advantage of my lowered immune system right now and that's why it's now like there there could be explanations but then finally like once I especially once I got to see a couple of like the worms that were living in my body uh those supposedly only exist like in Africa, in countries and places I've never been. There's no reason that like fits within the rules of this reality why I would have that. So I decided to give up on trying to find an explanation or limiting myself to an explanation that would make sense with, you know, the prevailing knowledge and beliefs. I decided I didn't need to know like how this happened because, well, <laughs> I really want to know that, but I didn't need to know that in order to be sure of what was happening and figure out what to do about it. Another reason I felt like comfortable fully rejecting what doctors were telling me and what was supposed to be true is that it just doesn't make any sense for those parasites to not be in the United States and to for a lot of them to not be in humans like that just doesn't add up if you read about a lot of these like parasites that are causing some of the worst diseases worldwide you'll see over and over here on maps it's like oh this parasite or this illness exists everywhere but North America but still Mexico a lot of the time but you know, somehow it disappears when you cross the Rio Grande. Okay. And some of that, I'm sure, was true at one time. Like, this has happened a lot of places where a certain parasite was endemic only to one area, but with globalization, migration, like, that has changed, and now they're in more places. Sure, you weren't originally going to have tropical diseases in non-tropical places. But for a lot of these parasites... We have the same vectors here that they do in the endemic areas. You know, we have black flies, we have mosquitoes, we have copepods. Like, we have the same things that cause problems uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. We have them here, too. 
So it's not like that can't happen. (laughs) Then, in addition, frequently, when they've done studies where they like go and test wild animals to see what they are carriers of, they find that they are carriers of infections that we thought don't exist here. Like some of these uh, nematode infections, like the worms that supposedly only happen in Africa or sometimes Africa and like Central America. They've been found in wild animals and livestock in the U.S. So they are here, but we haven't even looked to see if humans here have them. We're not looking for that. We're not testing for it. So how would we even know? I was really shocked when I uh, looked into malaria. I really read about it. And I knew just the very basics that everyone probably knows, but I hadn't ever like really read all the symptoms and read the different ways it can manifest. And I was pretty surprised. (laughs) A lot of like, especially the low grade and early infections, they are pretty nondescript. You know, it's not obvious, oh, this must be malaria. A lot of times it's people think it's a flu or food poisoning or, you know, you think it's something else. So people could get malaria in America all the time and we would have no idea because even if they went to the hospital for it, they wouldn't test for malaria unless they said, ah, and I just got back from India or whatever. We think it's not here, therefore we can't know if it is. And there are stories of like people here getting parasites that are not supposed to be here or are not supposed to manifest in humans. Like you can find stories like that and it'll always be presented as like, oh, this crazy thing, can you believe it? Like, so there are stories People do get those things here, and not always for any kind of reason that we can deduce. I also noticed a disturbing trend that sometimes when I read about like an infectious or parasitic disease endemic to a different area, it looked and sounded just like an illness we have here. But here, that illness is considered a chronic illness of unknown cause with no cure. When this really stuck out to me was, I was reading about lymphatic, I honestly don't know if it's filiarsis or pronounced a different way, but yeah, let's go with that. Reading about lymphatic filiarsis, that is a, it's an infection by a parasitic worm that is transmitted to humans through a mosquito bite. They live in your lymphatic system and they're unbelievably tiny little worms. You don't really see the worms, you just see the effect. (laughs) And uh, they can like really permanently fuck up your lymph vessels and cause a lot of swelling. And and this also like increases people's risk of bacterial infections of the skin, which then like hardens the skin and it turns into what they call elephantiasis. At this time, I was looking into like everything lymph related because I knew that something was up with my lymphatic system something was wrong there. That's not something that's like easy to figure out even like which doctor you should see. It's not really a specialty. Um, It's not really a a group of diseases that like we focus on. 
but I knew something was wrong with mine, so I was looking into all the potential things that can happen. So I'm also reading about lymphedema, which is a very underdiagnosed issue. In the U.S., we tend to associate lymphedema mostly with cancer patients because um, if people have been through radiation, um, if they've gotten like a lymph node removed, they are at like a bigger risk of lymphedema, but you don't have to have gotten radiation to get lymphedema. Like it's pretty common. We just don't really acknowledge that because we don't know why. And Western doctors just tend to think like if they can't explain something, then it just like doesn't exist or doesn't matter. That's not true. Something sad about lymphedema is a lot of times we just look at people who have lymphedema as just like fat and assume that it's because they ate too much, you know, we try to constantly bullying fat people as a society saying, oh, you need to lose weight, you know, for your health. But that's not what's happening when just like your body is becoming significantly bigger because of an overproduction and like a stagnation of lymph. Like that is not going to be affected by how many calories you eat. And if you're focusing on it as fat, then you're not seeing what's actually happening. Interesting, there's a like related condition called lipedema, and lipedema actually is fat, but it is also like, it's an abnormal accumulation of fat that just sort of like proliferates on its own, and it's very painful, and it like kind of develops in like sort of unusual areas. Like they'll get, um, a bulge of fat around the ankles and you know places that just normally fat doesn't settle if it's acquired by your habits and again we we don't look at that like as an illness as a symptom something we should help people with we just make people feel bad about their bodies and blame them for their problems that's what we do in america so what really kind of shook me is i saw kind of back to back a picture of lymphatic filariasis and then lymphedema. Like, it was two women and, like, mostly focused on their legs. And their legs looked exactly the fucking same. It's the same pattern of swelling accumulation. It's the same, like, silhouette, which is very distinctive. doesn't look like anything else. And then lymphedema, we say is this chronic, mysterious thing. We don't know why it happens or what to do about it, really. And uh, have we considered that it's just lymphatic filiarsis, filariasis? I wish I knew which one, which pronunciation to use. Because uh, that's what it looks like to me. To me, it looks like, yes, we do have lymphatic filariasis. We're just saying it's a chronic illness with no known cause or treatment. Well, it has treatment, but not a cure. No cure. And blaming people essentially for their own illness and then not giving them any ability to actually heal from it. That's pretty fucked up. And it's sad, but like there is a pretty obvious possible reason behind this. And first, I do think that just like infectious disease, like parasites, especially worms, like it doesn't fit America's vision of itself. We don't want to admit that we're just a country with a bad healthcare system and bad infrastructure. And so 
Anything you can get in any dirty city, you're going to get in our dirty cities. But then also, we don't want people to get better. We don't want people to take one round of antiparasitics and then not be sick anymore. If they're chronically ill with no known cause or cure, they're going to be paying into the healthcare industry forever. They're a much better customer that way. I do think this is what's happening. I do. There is a fair amount of evidence, kind of random, like you just come across it sort of kind of here and there because it's not a mainstream opinion. There are a lot of chronic illnesses that have actually been tied to infections. I don't think that it's a coincidence that there are so many examples of chronic illnesses that supposedly happen for no reason that are eventually found to absolutely have a reason. And people suffer for years and years, and then they finally get prescribed one month of doxycycline, and then they're okay. I hear stories all the time of people suffering with Lyme disease for 20 years. They wait 20 years to get some fucking antibiotics. I was so surprised that I kept going to doctors and they kept just basically saying, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you, so I think you're okay. You're probably, like, exaggerating this, so just go home. Because it felt pretty obvious to me that, like, the possible, like, explanations for what was happening to me were things that, like, could get quite serious very fast. And frequently, like, the recommended course of action is to start antibiotics before you even, like, get the tests back because it's just time with infection is so important. Like, you want to catch it as quickly as possible. You want to start treating it as quickly as possible. The longer an infection get, can go on, the harder it is to stop. And with something like soft tissue infections, uh, sepsis, you know, cellulitis, something that can be widespread and systemic, that can go from like a slight infection you barely notice to death in an hour. It can turn very fast. Like I knew that. It was shocking to me that doctors were willing to bet my life because they were so sure that they were right and there was just no possibility that anything else could happen. You know, that's easy for them to do because it is my life that's on the line, not theirs. It's very easy for them to say, no, I think you're fine. I think you're exaggerating. I think that didn't actually happen. They don't have to live with the consequences of that. They don't even ever have to find out that they were wrong. You know, they get to just go on with their day, not being sick like this, thinking that they're so smart and they totally figured that out. Meanwhile, like, the person who's sick has to go home still being sick and they have to continue figuring out, like, what's happening. They don't have the luxury of just not believing it. I think we also tend to assume there's, like, better oversight and there are better regulations than there really are. If we were being exposed to pathogens, like, we would know. Just even if any big awful thing was actually happening, then it would be common knowledge. And that's just not true at all. I got very interested in um, cyanobacteria and cyanotoxins because I had an idea that they, like, might be involved in this. But when I started, like, researching it, it didn't seem at least, like, anyone else was talking about the possibility of, like, undiagnosable chronic illnesses being caused by cyanobacteria. You know, people weren't talking about cyanobacteria, like, in local water systems and stuff very much. 
and I didn't even know if it was like in my area. So I looked it up and it turns out cyanobacteria is all over the place. And there was a lake a mile away from me that had been found to have tons of cyanobacteria and cyanotoxins in it. And we don't have any standards for how many cyanobacteria can be in your drinking water. That's not one of the things that's regulated. Like there's a pretty short list of like what they actually look for and regulate in the drinking water. And there's a giant list of all the things that end up in the drinking water. So like we can't just assume that our government wouldn't be exposing us to this stuff. Yes, they would. Most of the time, we just have no idea. Part of the deal with parasites that like people don't know is that um, it's already like widely accepted that uh, frequently large, large portions of a population will be carriers for a parasite, will have it, but they're considered to be asymptomatic infections. And so we just think they don't really matter. You know, it's like, oh, well, we've got, you know, all these gut bacteria and everything. So like, sure, there's some microorganisms thrown in there. And but your know, immune system takes care of them. It's no big deal. Like, it only matters if you're pregnant or, you know, something like that. Probably the main and like most researched, like best documented example is Toxoplasma gondii, which creates toxoplasmosis. So this is a parasite that um, like cats are carriers of a lot of the time. And it is estimated that like depending on the country that they've looked at, 20 to 80% of people are infected with toxoplasma. And it is kind of a lot of times based off of like the climate and how many cats are in that country. Like if that's a common pet to have or not. But toxoplasma is usually considered to only really be a problem if you are immunocompromised, you know, if you have HIV, something like that, or if you're pregnant, because you can pass that on to your baby and like that can kill a baby. So a lot of times pregnant women will get tested for toxoplasma, but nobody else will. What's wild though, is we're just assuming that these are asymptomatic infections, that they don't matter. Because we haven't been recognizing what the symptoms are, and we have been attributing the symptoms to just like people's personalities. Because parasites actually can affect their host's behavior, their host's personality, and they do that in ways that will benefit the parasite and not the host. So for example, um, you may have heard of like cordyceps, which is the fungus that parasitizes cicadas and it will make them climb all the way up to the top of like a tall grass where then the spores of the mushroom will explode through their fucking head and like blow in the wind and then go infect others. There's also, um, there's like a worm that parasitizes grasshoppers and the grasshoppers will go drown themselves in bodies of water so that the worm can get into the water and like continue its life cycle. There's um, a kind of fish, it's like very common. I remember it's common uh, off the coast of California, but I know it's in a lot of places. And 
it's pretty much like 100% of these populations of fish are uh, infected with a certain parasite, which also infects birds and snails. And this parasite gets the fish to like swim near the top of the water and like show off more of their body in the sun, kind of like like put the side of their body towards the sun and they kind of glint in the sun. This is not good behavior for that fish because it makes them more obvious to birds, which then come eat them. It is good behavior for that parasite because that's how it continues its life cycle. It needs that fish to get eaten by a bird. So then it will continue its life cycle in the bird and then the bird will shit it out and then the snail will like either eat that shit or crawl on it or something. And like <laughs> it needs all three animals for its like full life cycle. And that is one of the like misconceptions about parasites is that they don't want to kill their host. That's not necessarily true. Lots of parasites kill their host because that's not their only host. Or they like kill their host more slowly or like it just you can't like take for granted that a parasite doesn't want to kill you. So Toxoplasma gondii, which infects cats and rats um, and people, but uh, in general, they're like main host is cats. It like alters rat behavior so that rats will be more likely to be eaten by cats. It makes rats less afraid of cats and it even makes them like the smell of cats and like kind of be horny for it. <clears throat> it's like my understanding of it anyway. I don't know exactly how it feels for a rat, but... I think that is what I don't know. I think I think that is basically it's like it's like a fair a pheromone to them at that point. And so then they will go open out in the open near cats on purpose and then the cat will eat them and then that's how Toxoplasma gets into its next level host. So we know that Toxoplasma gondii can affect the behavior of its host. And we also know that lots and lots of people have Toxoplasma gondii, and we think that they are asymptomatic infections. So finally, the research that uh, people started doing is looking into, well, are there differences in like people's behavior and personality traits, like characteristics, based off of if they have this supposed asymptomatic infection or not? And they found very like clear, strong associations that uh, Toxoplasma was associated with like more risk-taking behavior, more individualistic behavior, like less um, less like community focused, and I think it was like higher neuroticism. There's a whole like array, and they've also found that this is represented on like a bigger scale because if you look at countries with like lower rates of toxoplasma infection. And then you look at like studies of, uh, you know, certain characteristics based off of each country, you know, like, I mean, the one probably people know is like the happiness index, like what's the happiest country on earth? And, uh, but there's lots of research into this of what characteristics people tend to present in different cultures. And there is a very strong correlation between the rate of toxoplasma and the rate of these toxoplasma-induced personality characteristics. So we think that people have asymptomatic infections because we think that the ways in which their personality is being affected is just who they are. And 
it is undoubted that those people think that their <laughs> their personality is who they are. They don't think it's because they have a fucking parasite. Like you think that you're you. You think that like you're you behave the way you do and you think how you do because of who you are. But like that is not necessarily the case. And the thing is this research about Toxoplasma gondii, like this is if we truly accept this, then it does mean like it, it has already been proven. It, it is just beyond a shadow of a doubt true that very large portions of the population are infected with parasites that alter their behavior and personality traits. And because we can even see this on a national level, then that inevitably affects uh, international relations, world events. When you have more like aggressive, risk-taking societies, and like this is, right now this is speculation, I don't, I haven't seen this in studies, but like <laughs> it would seem that those cultures are like gonna go start more wars. Like, are we having wars because we have parasites? Like, that, I think that is very probable. So it is a big thing to accept. But like, this is what the actual science is telling us. It's just uncomfortable. And it's not how we are like used to thinking about ourselves. So we have a strong tendency to reject it. But I don't think there's really any rational basis to reject it. There's really only a rational basis to accept that, yes, humans have parasites. Parasites are able to affect our behavior. A lot of what we attribute to like just how individual people are or how people, you know, how humans as a species are may actually be attributable to parasites and not to actually like us. Because something I've wondered before and thought about is why do humans act like parasites on the planet? What we're, what we're doing to the environment. That is just, that is the behavior of a parasite. And that's not really how most animals, like non-parasitic animals, is not how they treat their environment. It's not how we are with the like, because we're from here. We shouldn't want to be destroying this environment. Why are we acting like a parasite on this planet? Well, maybe it's because we have them. We act like parasite because we are being made to act that way. And then we think that that's just like a flaw of humanity. We, we don't know that that is... We don't know that. A lot of people think that it's just not possible that like parasites could affect, you know, human thought and personality and behavior because like it's just too complex. But I also think that is an unfounded assumption because first of all, so I will get into this in, in another episode because it really requires its own episode. But I started to see the patterns of like what to me started to be pretty clear markers of like parasitic influence on the things people were thinking and saying and doing. There just wasn't enough variation. The patterns were too obvious. I would just see the same dynamics over and over and over again. People would say the exact same thing other people were saying. It just, there wasn't a lot of creativity there. And it was always based in just like a few emotions, a few different motivations. And that's like self-interest, self-doubt, anxiety, fear, like self-loathing, pettiness, uh, jealousy, all these just very negative and like pretty <laughs> miserable emotions that are just based in like want and need 
and like a constant need for more this like emptiness inside you know it's like that just needs more material possessions and more validation and more like assuaging their ego and just it's this endless hunger and need to just have take conquer like that's really not very complicated like i definitely yeah and they're pretty like parasitic motives i do think that a parasite could pull that off like we're really not being that fucking complicated all the time if they can convince uh rats that like they're not afraid of cats and they actually really love how they smell then i'm pretty sure that they can convince humans that like all your friends hate you and um you're a failure you have to you need more stuff and more status like (laughs) it's just those aren't very complex they're really not even like the the thoughts and they're they're, like there's not a lot of creativity in the writing (laughs) it's just the same thing over and over again like you notice this if you talk to people we're just people are stuck in their loops they say the same stuff over and over and over again and then you even hear that exact same storyline then coming out of a different person and when you can really start to see it is when you like kind of push back at that and you just ask people more questions and you try to like get them out of their loop you bring bring something up to them that is you know uncomfortable or that is not what you're supposed to do start just breaking the rules of what you're supposed to say and see how people respond to you because that's when you really see the limitations of the parasite because they don't know what to say so they end up just saying like a few things and you hear the same things from every single person you talk to and they're just like defensive and their feelings are hurt and they're like angry and they'll just like you're not even listening to me i'm just i'm just saying i'm this kind of person i'm you know you don't understand i'm this way it's like it started to feel like I could write scripts for people and just I would know what they were going to say ahead of time because well that was true so do we really think that that is by necessity human behavior and thought like why why think that is there really enough evidence to support that I think the only thing that we really go back to is as you know, proof of like, no, that can't be, is we just think about ourselves, our own minds, and we just, we feel so sure that these are our thoughts, our feelings. You don't feel like someone else is in control of your mind. And in fact, (laughs) you are, I think we are (laughs) programmed to be violently defensive against that thought. That is not something we are comfortable thinking and so people shut that down very quickly they don't really allow themselves to even think about it most of the time and that also is very logical if you think of like so for example if we're you know we're going back to toxoplasma with the rats and the cats that rat has to think that those are their thoughts and feelings that they actually really like cats they're really not afraid of them they really do want to go over there Parasites are all about hiding. They're all about camouflage. 
if a parasite is really obvious, it's not a good parasite. If a parasite is affecting your thoughts so that you will behave in a way that goes against your own interests and instead in the interests of your parasite, the last thing the parasite wants is for you to know that these thoughts are not yours. They are given to you. They don't want you to know that. They don't want you to think that. So all they have to do is give you the extra thought that you are the only one who creates your thoughts and nobody can do that but you. I think they also convince us to always blame ourselves. If you are blaming yourself, you are not looking for who is actually responsible for what's happening. If you think that like your self-doubt and your anxiety is because you actually feel that way, you deep down hit yourself. And this is all <laughs> on you. Then you're not ever going to look for who is giving you those thoughts. Of course, those thoughts would come along with like <laughs> a I was thinking it was like, you know, if it's computer code, it comes along with a command that you have to think that's your thought. Like that is inherently part of it so that it will work. I think the two main like tools in the parasite's arsenal are the invisibility, you know, the, the fact that you don't know they're there. That is a huge advantage. That is a big part of what allows them to do what they do. And the second part is they use the power of extremely painful feelings, trauma, these feelings of rejection, of um, worthlessness, uh, you know, of betrayal. So I'm certainly not saying like, if you feel those things, like that's not real, because your experience of it is real. And it is actually that painful. It is so painful that it works that well. That like all a parasite has to do to control our entire species and the fate of this planet is just to manipulate our emotions that make us feel really bad and get us to act in ways that are motivated by our feelings and not by our logic. I'll talk more in future episodes about what I think is happening and what my experiences have been. So like what I think parasites actually are doing to us. But I hope that this has at least shown how this scenario is possible and maybe why uh, somebody would be able to believe it and have that be a rational belief and not just like, oh, that's Looney Tunes. You know, sort of to recap in short, we've seen that parasites are more common than we think. They are capable of affecting their hosts in ways that we usually don't know about. We don't really test for them. And there is evidence that parasites that we don't think are endemic to certain areas or or don't think affect humans as hosts actually do. So kind of all the pieces are in place. And we can also see things that parasites could be doing to make us unaware of their presence. One last thing I feel like people might be wondering is, well, what about testing? Like, wouldn't this come up in testing? Or um, isn't this something we could 
figure out easily in testing. And that is actually another thing that is really complicated and I think a lot of people don't realize is not only do we not do tests for a lot of um, parasites, but the tests that we do frequently are the wrong tests. If you go to the doctor in the U.S. and you tell them you think you have parasites and you have enough, uh, sim- your symptoms are convincing enough that they want to test for them, the test you are most likely to do is a stool test. So you will go home, crap in a jar, bring it back, and they will run it for some of the most like common parasites that could be causing your symptoms. You know, so they'll test for giardia and also bacteria like H. pylori and just things like that. The problem is these tests really aren't perfect because first of all, even if you have intestinal parasites, you're not going to be like shitting them out every time. (laughs) In fact, that's something that like your intestinal parasite doesn't really want to happen. So a lot of the time, probably you're not crapping it out at all. It's going to frequently lead to false negatives. The other problem is fecal tests don't even come close to diagnosing a large percentage of uh, the parasites that are out there. In order to diagnose um, many parasites like that live in your blood, you actually have you need a blood smear test. You have to be able to see them in the blood. And that's very uncommon here. It's especially uncommon unless you have some specific travel history that they find convincing. The problem then with the blood smear is that you could have a parasite that still doesn't show up in a blood smear test because you don't have parasites evenly uh, evenly dispersed throughout your entire body, you know? And what's crazy is parasite load is not actually correlated to the intensity of your symptoms. So you could be very, very sick, but you have a relatively low number of parasites. You could do a test and not find them because they're just... There's not that many of them in your system, but it doesn't mean they're not there. The way we test for parasites, we're really, it's like we're not even thinking about intracellular parasites, which that's, I mean, some of the scariest ones, if you ask me, these are parasites that live their life inside of your cells. We're not looking for ones that live in your bloodstream. We're only looking at intestinal parasites (laughs) when they're on their way out. So if it has seemed unlikely that this would be the case because you think it would be you know noticed in people's tests well mm, no there's actually a good reason why we don't see these parasites i mean they do get found on accident for sure you know people will see worms in a colonoscopy they weren't expecting to see or they will be biopsying some skin and not be expecting to find you know whatever larval stage or something they end up finding in there like that absolutely happens the real questions are if this is the case you know if we do have so many more parasites than we think that are affecting us more than we think why don't we talk about that why isn't because 
<laughs> some people have to have noticed, you know. There has to be a certain amount of, uh, of a cover-up, I think, it seems to me. So why is that happening? You know, I mentioned a couple potential logical reasons, but, like, that doesn't mean that those are the reasons. So why is this happening? Who does know about this and isn't saying and why? What exactly are they doing to us? What are the effects? Um, what do we do about it? And those are some of the questions that I hope to explore more in future episodes. Thank you so much for listening to Rethinking Reality. I do hope you subscribe and leave a good review. That would help me out. If you don't like the show, it's just not for you. You don't have to leave a review. You could just not do anything. Like, I don't need to hear that you don't like it. I, I'm not going to change anything, you know. <clears throat> but if you do like it, I would love to hear that. If you have specific questions, too, that, like, either about my experience or just what I think about this topic on a bigger level, I definitely want to know, like, what you guys have thought about or not thought about experience or not experience, where you're coming from. So, you know, if I didn't explain something fully enough and you're still confused, like I want to explain that again until it makes sense. <laughs> All right. Stay safe out there. And the next time you get some parasite thoughts about hating yourself or other people, just tell your parasite to fuck off. Your parasite sucks. You're the one that's cool. Bye.